Hello folks, this week unfortunately we do not have a guest but we are compiling some of the best clips so far from the previous nine episodes. Lewis and Nathan, our producers, are putting these clips together and I just want to give them a special shout out because they've done a fantastic job so far with the podcast. I'm really happy to be working with them. Lewis and Nathan of Feed Ignite. Uh, so just a little tribute to them, you know, because without them, this podcast, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be going. So no, absolutely, they're doing they're doing a fantastic job, and hopefully things are looking bright with this podcast, um, and we can go forward with it. I hope everyone's doing well. Obviously, there's been easing on restrictions in terms of the lockdown in both the UK and Ireland. I uh, hope people are being sensible, wearing face masks. <laughs> I think that has to be done. you got to wear your face masks. And yeah, generally people are just staying safe and and enjoying themselves as well. I'm sure it is nice to get out and have a nice walk with the with the family. I know I'm going out and I'm having lovely, lovely little walks and going to parks with, um, with my partner and our little baby girl. So yeah, it's great. But anyway, enjoy these clips and I will see you next week for the podcast. Take care, guys. Have a lovely weekend. This week's guest is a good one, folks. He's a Man United legend. He's also currently a pundit on MUTV. He is a good pal of mine. It is none other than David May. We speak about David's career, how he started off playing for Blackburn Rovers, his love for football from a young age, and of course, his brilliant career at Man United. The honours he's won, the unbelievable players he's played with. I think we dedicated maybe five or six minutes of the podcast just to talking about Paul Scholes and how good he was and how much of an inspiration he was for me and I'm sure many other people. This is a great podcast, lots of great stories about Cantona uh, and of course, arguably the greatest manager of all time, Sir Alex Ferguson, uh, who managed uh, David from, from pretty much his whole career at Man United. Uh, it's a great podcast if you're a Man United fan and if you're a football fan in general too you'll really like this we also speak about the current Man United squad and heading into the restart of the Premier League and uh, yeah it's a chat between two mates as well which I hope you all enjoy Um, I've known David since 2016 when we did a, a prank call on MUTV four years ago yes a prank call I was um, playing the part of Zlatan We'll go into that in the podcast. It's it's a good story. Enjoy it, folks. Have a good weekend. And welcome to the Impressionable Hour with Al Forn, Episode 7, David May. Talk me through that first season as well. Um, because I know, I know in particular that that game in January 95 is, is one that you, you speak about all the time, whether it, you know it's, it's at Q and A's, at at speaker dinners. You know, you scored yeah. that infamous game at Selhurst Park. Yeah, uh, well, well, obviously Blackburn went on to win the league that year, but we had uh, we were neck and neck with Blackburn. Yeah, and um, playing at Selhurst Park was always horrible, whether it was against Wimbledon or or Crystal Palace. We used to share the same same pitch. Yeah. And this particular evening, it was blustering, it was raining, then it was windy, and just pitch were bobbly. Just an horrible game. Yeah. 
it's one of those do your job and get out and get home. But um, a certain little, oh, not little, certain Frenchman wanted to do something special that night, and uh, he did. <laughs> after me, after me scoring. So um, yeah, that was my first. That was my first league goal for United um, to go one 0 up. But Eric might have got sent off, and then we scored. Mm. But um, but yeah, it was uh, it was such a such a strange thing to see one of your teammates. He'd been provoked all, all the game. He'd been kicked yeah. down the off by um, I think it was Richard Shaw and uh, Southgate. Mm. And, uh, he, obviously, Eric just just flipped and ended up booting up, booting Richard Shaw up the arse. And um, can't think who the referee was. Um, straight red, and that was it. That's all you got. That's it. It's gone, and you know he'll get three match ban or whatever it was, and he'll be back. But then the West uh, Crystal Palace fan, then Matthew Simmons, mm. charging down the uh, down the stands and. Started calling him, you know, fuck off back to France, you French motherfucker, and everything like that. So Eric, and fair play to him, turned around and battered him. (laughs) That's the thing with Eric. I mean, Eric is a very passionate individual. Yeah. You know, you you give him shit, you know, he'll he'll, he'll give it back to you tenfold. You know what I mean? Don't fuck with Eric was kind of. And I think that was that was how obviously the gaffer was such a genius because he de- he dealt and he's, he he did it his his, his whole career. Uh, he dealt with players differently. Yeah. And as you you've seen, he he dealt with Eric very differently to a lot of other players, and it was so beneficial to not only Eric but the team as a whole. And yeah. I think, like there's you know a particular example is. The dressing room incident at the end of that game. <laughs> well, yeah, because obviously you know you, you see one of your teammates flying through the through the air and two foot in the lad in the crowd and then um, punching out of him. But you've got you still got your job to do and you still think right, all right, yeah, he's done that and you know it's you you got to forget about it. So all we're thinking is like just see the game out. You know, down to ten men, we won the lot. See the game out. Anyway. We, it was a free kick or a, or a corner or whatever it was. And mm. um, Southgate scores. And, um, you know, we drew the game 1-1 one, one and it's one of those then, right? Let's get in the dressing room. Yeah. Let's see what happens because every, everybody got bollocked off the gaffer. Everyone had the air dryer and yeah. it was just a case of, right, okay. So you, 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 you go in, you sit down, you don't say anything and obviously everyone's pissed off. And Eric's sat in the corner with his his blazer on. He's had he's been in had a shower and he's just sat there. And then the gaffer comes in, door near enough, ripped off the hinges, and then he just starts on Schmeichel. For call yourself fucking best keeper in the world. You've not come for a cross. You've not made a fucking save. Your distributions fucking crap. Your decision making's crap. Pallister six foot four. You've not won a fucking header. You've been bullied all the way around the ground. Insy, call yourself the governor, big tough fucking midfielder. You're a pussy. Sharpie, my grandma's quicker than you. Then he, he says to me, and you, where the fuck was you when Southgate scored? So I was marking Richard Shaw. 
Well, who's marking fucking Southgate? Eric. Fucking Eric. <laughs> so you're thinking, right, fuck you. And he turns to Eric and he just looks at Eric and goes, Eric, can't be doing things like that, son. <laughs> and Brian turns around and proceeds to give his own. Fucking, then turns to Coley. Coley, you fucking can't drive a bag of cement. You've not got on gold. I'm to kill them. Eric, fucking Eric's two-footed the land in the crowd there and he's having to go everybody about Eric. <laughs> but, but as you say, Al, that's the way he looked after Eric. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, all right, we, lose, you know, we, we lost the season to, or we lost the, the league to Blackburn that year and mm. had Eric not two-footed the land in the crowd, we'd have still won the league and probably yeah. wouldn't have picked up uh, because he was, that, he was that good. Yeah, uh, he was that influential. All right. On this week's episode of the Impressionable Hour with Al Foran, we have a global superstar, a wrestling legend. He has wrestled in all four corners of the globe. And most importantly, he's a fellow Irish man like myself. As you can hear, my little dead baby girl is there in the background. She's excited for it too. Yes, the guest on the podcast this week is none other than Fergal Devitt, a.k.a. Finn Balor, or if you knew him from his Japan days, it's Prince Devitt. This podcast is absolutely brilliant. I first met Fergal two years ago um, at WrestleMania 34. It was my first ever WrestleMania. And my God, he made it an unbelievable experience for me. We'll delve into that in the podcast. We speak about his days wrestling in Japan, how he started off training Becky Lynch, his first WrestleMania, his psyche behind the incredible gimmick that is the demon. Yeah, listen, if you're a wrestling fan like me, you will absolutely love this. It's just brilliant. I think also the other interesting thing is, I mean, he was a fantastic GAA player. Uh, when he was when he was younger, he was a, a soccer player. He played in Croke Park for a minor school final, you know. So there's lots of other info about him other than the wrestling. And he's also a massive Tottenham Hotspur fan. And I think it kind of it's it it sinks in well. This podcast uh, being released today. Uh, because Man United versus Spurs obviously is the 8, 8 p.m. kickoff later on. So we have a little chat about that. But yeah, folks, I hope you enjoy this. She's 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 looking forward to it as well. So uh, yeah, have a great weekend. This is the Impressionable Era with Al Foran, episode nine, Finn Balor. When you come out in that makeup and when you're in this... I don't know what zone it is. It's a different zone. And fucking fans are just glued, intrigued to this this kind of one this one-off kind of gimmick that you you kind of it pops up maybe once, twice a year. What's the process behind that? Like what? Well, basically we had to make it something. So I've been on the Indies and in Japan, kind of like four big matches, doing body paint, doing special entrances. And a lot of people said, hey, you know, when you go to WWE, you're not going to be able to do that. Like, you know, they're going to make you be, you know, Paddy, Smith, Leprechaun, whatever character, you know. And then I thought, ah, yeah, sure, whatever. And then I remember signing with WWE and the name, uh, we kind of put Finn McCool and Ballard, or one-eyed Damon King, like mm. together. Then they come to me and they say, hey, what's this like, paint that you do sometimes at big matches? And I was like, well, 
it's I just do it because I think it's cool and it helps me like move a little different and kind of like get a little bit more aggression. I don't really know why it changes me as a person, but it does something to me. You know, it makes me feel like I'm in a really big match, you know. Yeah. And and then he said, "All right, we want we want you to do it here." So it kind of it wasn't a character; it was just me expressing myself. And then, like, we had to fit it into like the guidelines of the WWE universe. In yeah. the sense of why does he do this? You know, yeah. why? So, so that's how it became. Like, all right, he taps into his deep dark side and he he you know he channels this aggression a different way if you push him too far you know he turns into the demon and i gotta be honest i wasn't really happy with the way it was treated or the way we handled it i think you know we could have done it a lot differently and for me the beauty of the demon was the surprise and yeah. like when it's kind of advertised and it's built up i understand from yeah. like a financial like promotion side that like, that's what you have to do but you know I think if you sacrifice that and give them, you know, the surprise, that pays off more in the long run, I, I always feel. And, 100%. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's cool. I, lo- I love Down the Demon. I just feel like it became a little bit of a crutch when we turned it into a character that was like a part of, you know, who Finn was. Mm. You know, and it became like, all right, we beat Finn, we beat Finn, we beat Finn. But he turns into the demon and he kicks ass. But yeah. then what? Like, which in theory is great for the demon character. Yeah. But it like it, I think it harmed the Finn character so badly with yeah. this with, with with this treatment. So like he knows the back and say things could have been done differently. But the problem is that like there's so many kind of elements in WWE that like if one lad gets injured, it changes the whole like. Mm. shape of the card or you know anything that happened that like things change so it's very hard to like plan these storylines yeah. long term like build this so I feel like sometimes we rushed it when we didn't have to mm. sometimes we thought it when we didn't have to do it and then but with regards to the character itself man it's so hard to explain that like once yeah even, even when I know I'm doing it the next day like I feel like I start turning to like a different person like I start getting like irritable, grouchy, like, yeah. don't talk to me now, like, need to, like, f- focus on this. And, like, even when we start putting the paint on, I don't really know what the design's going to be. Yeah. Like, you know, it kind of, like, develops in itself. I'll have, like, a couple of rough ideas, but, like, mm. once it starts going on, I'll, like, move it around a bit, say, no, I'll do it here or here. Really depends on, like, the opponent or the yeah. location, wherever the venue is. Uh, but definitely, like when I get in the ring, like I feel like a different person. Yeah. I don't feel like like female. I feel like a like a completely different person. So, yeah. uh, but you know, I don't know. Is it something that it shouldn't? Be, no, it shouldn't be frequent. It, it should. Um, what I'm thinking here is it, it should be a once off. A once off every every year. Mm. Once a year. That's the yeah. that's the way you should do it. And a surprise. I think you're right about it being a surprise. Because, you know, just the, the beauty about wrestling and especially like returns and all of that, like when it's a surprise return, there's honestly nothing better than that. And you can look back you can look back at that the example is WrestleMania in New York. Nobody knew you were coming out as the it was just that just came out of nowhere. Yeah. And you know. And like that, the fans ate it up. I'll tell you a story about that. WrestleMania in New York, it's yeah. 
big, massive outdoor stadium. We had this big, grand entrance planned that when the, the, the heartbeats go and we black out the arena, and like they put me like on this pedestal thing and like it rose me up like 15, 16 feet in the, in the sky zone, right in the mm-hmm. middle of the big tron, you know? And I was supposed to be standing in the middle of the tron when the lights come on and go, boom, the demon. And like people go mad and all. But then as it's, it's like as the music starts, it's supposed to start lowering down and lowering down. It lowers me into the smoke and then I come out and we do the big light show, right? Yeah. So I'm up there and I meet them. Lights come on on the screen behind me. The music yeah. hits, bumps everywhere. We actually had fake snow blowing across, and all it looked cool. Like I'm, I'm like this, I'm like yeah, come on. And like I'm waiting for the like the hydraulic like kick, so yeah. I know it's starting to lower. And it's not kicking. I'm like, what the hell? I'm, I'm I'm up here still. What am I gonna do? Like I'm 16 mm. feet in the air, and plus like whatever, almost six feet tall. Like yeah. looking down, and it's a cloud of smoke on the stage, but the thing wouldn't lower. It jammed. Right, so at about or somewhere there about ten seconds too long that I'm supposed to be, and then I hear, feel a kick and it starts coming down. But I'm like ten feet off the ground at this point, and I need to make it to the queue to hit the light shot. Yeah. Right? So I'm just, what am I going to do? But I couldn't see the ground, so I said, "Ah, I'm just going to jump." So I jumped into the cloud of smoke and like landed. I went, "Holy shit! I can't believe this is happening at WrestleMania!" Like. And I'm, and I'm inside, I'm getting mad that like someone's messed up, not pressed the button on the hydraulic or something like that. <laughs> and like, I go out and I do the light and I'm pissed. And like, I'm pissed off. I'm like, lights, lights. I'm walking to the ring, crawling and I'm like, it didn't press the button. And, this, and then I get to the ring and I'm like, I'm still pissed off. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I'm talking to the referee, going, ah, and I messed up the entrance. <laughs> and for me, like, it's like, ah, it was the, it was the big one. It was supposed to be so cool. And I used to have that cool thing that I wanted to do because I was so angry about the hydraulic. <laughs> <laughs> do you reckon it was intentional for you to, to further delve into the character? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, folks. This week's guest is Connor Moore, aka Connor Sketches. I've known this guy for four years and he is an absolute gent of the highest order and he's also unbelievably talented. We spoke about how he started doing impressions in his hometown in Bullingar, the Hollywood of Ireland they like to call it. How he started doing impressions of Loch Nan, Brawley, Davy Fitz, Bernard Brogan. Jim Gavin, all the GAA characters and eventually moving into doing the Premier League characters and working for Joe.ie, doing some incredible work for Joe.ie and Joe.co.uk. And then 2018 comes along and he makes the Masters video, which is just incredible. And he rules the golf circuit. He becomes the golf impressionist. Makes that video six months later. He's making a commercial for Bridgestone with Tiger Woods. It's an incredible story, guys. And he has some amazing stories, some hilarious stories as well in the podcast. I'm a big fan of Connor. Um, He's a great pal of mine. We're both impressionists as well. So we talk about, you know, the art of being an impressionist, the work that goes into learning an impression too, which I think I hope I hope people will find interesting. But yeah, it was just a great chat. I enjoyed it so much. And um hope you all enjoy it too, guys, and have a good weekend. This is the Impressionable Hour with Al Foran, episode five, Connor Moore. Six months span, we're back to the, to the golf. And, and then later on in the year, I think it was, was it November, December, you shoot 
an advertisement with the goat of golf. Well, I've done it. Jack Nicholas might have something to say about that. But yeah, like, yeah, one, yeah. One, of the, one of the careful. I always say, arguably the greatest golfer, <laughs> arguably the greatest golfer of all time, like Tiger Woods. Like that is, uh, like it's unbelievable. From from just you know deciding at the start of the year, maybe yeah, I'll do this video for the Masters. I'll learn a couple of golfers, and then you're at the Open in Carnoustie. You sign with NBC, and then a couple of months later, you're doing an advertisement for Bridgestone with Tiger Woods. Like how? <laughs> Oh, I know. When I first came in, I'll never forget it. Like that day, I was walking through Mullingar and I was walking up the Dublin Road and I got this message into my Twitter inbox from Bridgestone uh, saying, oh, we want to talk to you about a potential opportunity or whatever. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, deadly. And I just assumed I was going to get like, I don't know, do something with them. You get paid, get some golf balls then for the year. Yeah. Unlimited amount. And I was like, this is brilliant stuff. And then got word that it was like a <laughs> A thing with Tiger Woods, and I was like, jump! I was like, what? And then I was thinking, ah, no, this is definitely not going to happen. And I asked him even, I was like, does Tiger know about this? Like this idea you have? They're like, no, we're approaching him now in the next day or so. We know within, we know by Friday, and it was like a Tuesday. We know by Friday, and it was really early on a Tuesday. By the end of the day, then they just got back and said, yeah, Tiger's on for it. <laughs> got word or whatever, like, and it was, just, it all just happened like that in a couple of weeks. Within a couple of weeks, then I was down in. Um, Atlanta and I was shooting it with him like and yeah. he was such a legend like yeah. he was an absolute legend to be around he was so cool like and I brought the mm. my cousin and my brother with me as well and they loved him he was just so sound to everyone you know he really was a great fella it was it was weird and it was like when I walked in and he was like oh you know do me and I was like what is it do me <laughs> just stand in there and I'm like well the conditions are really tough out there they're really tough you know <laughs> I really did He's like, fuck, dude, you sound just like me, man. <laughs> that relaxed me. Now, remember I said about you're like, man, doing that. I was definitely nervous doing the Tiger ad. Yeah. You know, you've the, it's not an audience there. It's a production team. Yeah. It's just a bunch of people standing there and it's like, all right. And even knowing your lines and stuff. He was actually such a pro. Like he didn't, he just rocked in. You know, there's a board there. What's my lines? Boom. Okay. <laughs> boom, boom. Was I was like, you know. What are my lines? Come on, you've been reading these lines for six weeks, like. <laughs> <laughs> but like it just the, the and obviously the advertisement was, you know, all over the television screens in America, you know, during the ad breaks. Like that is just unbelievable. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, and it did. Like I say, like I owe an awful lot to golf. Like it's been very, very good to mm. me. Um, and well, they they've been very receptive of you. They've just it's quite it's kind of like. You know, the, oh, we've been missing a bit of fun for a couple of years in golf. We need something. We need something different. And it was like a breath of fresh air for the uh, golf world. Like I in. remember one or two people actually questioned me doing the video. They're like, "Why do you want to do a golf video?" Like, and they were nearly insinuating that golf people didn't know how to have the crack. Mm -hmm. And I was like, down in like Mullingar Golf Club, and it was from being down there. I was down there one or two nights, and I was drinking and stuff. And have the they bar. ever heard of Shane Lowry? <laughs> 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 it's fucking great, Craig. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, and I was like, when I was down there, I realized like, they are, and they, they, if anything, the best social lives are in golf clubs. Like, you know, mm. like my, like I'd look at my GA club and in terms of socializing, we socialize at the games. Yeah. You meet, yeah. Matches, you meet Saturday morning down at the club. You know what I mean? Mm. There's not much of, especially the way, like, I suppose, especially when you're playing football, you don't be drinking as much anyway. So yeah. well, with the golf club, like, 
you play your golf, you come into the clubhouse after it, few pints or whatever, bit of food, everyone's in chat, mm. having a crack that night, presentations, things like that. Mm. So I just kind of felt like definitely like I could see myself. Now at the yeah. time, how big I was thinking was I could be going up and down all over Ireland doing golf club gigs, you know, getting a nice <laughs> quid like into my pocket and going home. Now I knew it might go, like I didn't, I was hoping it was going to go viral. I was excited like for that, but like I didn't really think I was going to be in Orlando a couple of weeks mm. later signing up on NBC. That was incredible. Of, yeah, that was like a, a big shock sort of. Yeah. Thing.